You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. Well, this is it, Rock, the season. Right here on this fourth down play. How many times have we said that on this drive? Rodgers in the shotgun. Three receivers left, one to the right. Packers need at least seven yards to move the chains. Rodgers gets the snap. Blitz is on. Rodgers scrambles He's left. Winds up. Great He's got power to the 10 to the five. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Oh, my goodness. And an NFC North Division championship dagger of 47 yards. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every Day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRank Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. And I promise you there will be Aaron Rodgers content. Number 12, QB1. He is back, medically cleared. He announced late Tuesday evening that he's been medically cleared. He will start on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers in Week 15 in Charlotte. Obviously, I don't have to tell you this is earth-shattering news. This is this is ground-shaking news. This is tectonic plate-shifting news in the NFL because no one wants to see the Green Bay Packers, regardless of how you think their defense looks, Regardless of what you feel about Ted Thompson or Mike McCarthy, no one in the NFC wants to see Aaron Rodgers in January. No one. No one wants to see Aaron Rodgers in December. This team's record in December under Mike McCarthy has been impeccable. And no one wants to see Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, this is the news we've been waiting for. We've been waiting weeks for it. There was no update Monday. We were waiting and waiting and waiting on Tuesday. There were multiple reports that Rodgers is pushing to play, but that the team is still weighing its options. Ultimately, we will never know, I think, the real story here, what what the machinations were, what the arguments were. All I know is there was no incentive for Green Bay to give this information out sooner than it had to, but, but he was going to practice Wednesday. And so regardless of what happens Tuesday night, everyone was going to know by Wednesday. So releasing it Tuesday night was the last possible moment. Did Green Bay know ahead of time this was going to happen? Maybe. Were they playing coy? Maybe. We don't know. And we may never know. What we do know is the, the team was buttoned up to not leak it. They let Rodgers on his own Instagram page announce his return. The team confirmed it. And so Rodgers is going to play. And and frankly, all the other stuff doesn't matter anymore. Did they know? How much did they know? When did they know? Who cares? Rodgers is going to play. Now, he he was adamant for weeks. I'm not going to play unless it's fully healed. Now, you assume... That if it were fully healed, there would have been no discussions to be had. So 
it wasn't fully healed. And and more to the point, it didn't have to be fully healed. It just had to be healed enough. 80 to 85% was what I was told, reliably speaking, was the number that this that, that they needed to hit. If it was 80 to 85% healed, that is basically the same as pre-injury. The same as it would have been in week one, week two, week three, week four. And so I, I speculated yesterday that the numbers were close. And that was why we didn't know for sure. We won't know. And they're, they're definitely not going to tell us. Now, Rodgers may tell us after the year is over. He may not. As I've mentioned a number of times on this podcast, Rodgers did hint after the 2013 season that he was not 100% recovered from the collarbone then when, when he went back and played against Chicago. That was the clip you heard to open the show was not necessarily 100% healthy against the San Francisco 49ers in that playoff game. And and if you go back and watch, and I remember watching in real time going, he's not healthy. Because there were a number of times he could have escaped, he could have shrugged off defenders that he normally does, he could have escaped in ways that he normally does, and he didn't. Because he knew he wasn't healthy or he wasn't confident in it, but given what I saw and what he said, my spidey sense tells me he was not all the way back and he pushed to play. I don't think this is that scenario. I think he is as close to back as as he needed to be. And it just so happened the timeline synced up. The recovery timeline happened to coincide with the IR situation that, that Green Bay had. And, and it worked out. And obviously that was why so many people were cynical about it. Myself included about, oh, he's really going to come back in this convenient timeline. Well, the answer is yes, he's going to. Does that mean he's going to come back and play well? We don't know. No one knows. Aaron doesn't know himself. Mike McCarthy doesn't know. I think this team expects him to come back and play well. I think he expects to come back and play well. This obviously means a lot to him. The hope, if you're a Green Bay Packer or if you're a fan, is that the team rallies around him this weekend and that they go and get a win on the road against a tough Carolina Panthers opponent. That is by no means a guarantee. By no means a guarantee. But they have to do it. If they want to make the playoffs, this is this is playoff game number one. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers gives them the best chance to do that. And we'll talk further about that. We're going to, we're going to get into it tomorrow with Kristen Balboni of Fox Sports and, and talk about the Carolina Panthers at, at greater length. On Friday, I suspect we will talk more about it by virtue of the fact that it is the biggest injury news and Friday is normally our injury day. Today, I want to focus on the Carolina Panthers and giving you that scouting report. Because we pushed opponent Wednesday back, it's going to be opponent Thursday. We're going to flip Thursday and Wednesday. And we're going to go over the Carolina Panthers roster today. But obviously, we had to open the show with Aaron Rodgers. And... The reality is this team with Aaron Rodgers was 4-1. and one. They lost to the Atlanta Falcons on the road in a game where half their team wasn't playing. They're down their offensive tackles. They're down their best pass rusher, their best interior player at the time, Mike Daniels. They're down corners. I mean, it was, it was a mash unit for Green Bay and Atlanta. Now, they got boat raced. They got destroyed. Green Bay made it made it competitive in the second half, maybe. But 
Green Bay already had wins against Seattle. They'd beat Dallas. They beat the Bears on a short week. And they beat the Bengals at home. Two of those wins are really good. The Cowboys, when healthy, are a very good football team. And coincidentally, the Packers may need the Cowboys later in the season for their playoff hopes because the Cowboys play the Seahawks in Week 16, healthy Zeke Elliott, and it would be a huge benefit to the Packers if the Cowboys won that game. But I I bring up all of that to say that maybe we're not as worried about this defense, maybe we're not as worried about some of the things that we're worried about now, Jordy Nelson maybe not being the level of player that he used to be. Maybe we're not worried about those things if Aaron Rodgers has been the quarterback because if he has, they're probably 11-2, 10-3, something like that. They certainly beat the Lions. Given the way the Pittsburgh Steelers played against Brett Hundley, they probably beat the Steelers, but obviously that's a tough game on the road. They beat the Saints at home in all likelihood. So at the very least, this is a, this is a 9 or a 10 win team. Maybe they're favored in Charlotte this weekend. Tuesday, they were they were about a six-point underdog. We'll see what the line moves to today. I, I suspect it will it will end Panthers minus two, minus three. Carolina deserves to be favored, especially after the win that they had against Minnesota, but Green Bay absolutely should feel like they can win this game because of specific matchups that exist. And we're going to get to those matchups in just a second, but before we do, I'm going to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway, as I do at the end of the first block of every show. You can win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value that gets you access to player grades, tools for your fantasy team, for the NFL draft, all sorts of content in there. All of that could be yours that is not currently available to you because it's behind a paywall. And all you have to do to break that paywall is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. Rate it, leave a review, and your name, and you could have access to all of this data. It really is that easy. All right, we should start with the Panthers' defense because this is clearly the strength of their team. And it has been the strength of their team, gosh, seemingly forever since they were an expansion team. I suppose they they had no strengths in there for a while, but this defense is what carries this team. And statistically speaking, there's no question this is where this team draws its strength. They are ninth in weighted DVOA overall, the Carolina Panthers are. They are a top 10 football team. They are a very good football team. They're the sixth best defense overall. Seventh against the pass, fifth against the run. A top 10 defense through and through. There are very few flaws when you're looking at this defense. And obviously it starts with Luke Keekley. The on-off numbers with Keekley and this defense are, are stark. He's the engine that makes it go. Speed, instincts, playmaking ability. He's a sure tackler. He's great in coverage. He can go sideline to sideline. Luke Keekley is the engine that drives this Panthers car. And they have two linebackers on either side of him, Shaq Thompson and Thomas Davis, who are also athletic. They're instinctive. They can play in coverage. They can fit in the run game. This front seven is what makes this defense go. Because the secondary, frankly, not that great. The numbers really bear that out. 
when you look at, at how they are defending receivers, for example, 19th defending number one receivers, easily the worst of any defense in the top 10 overall. They're 15th defending number two receivers, 17th defending all other receivers. But they're second defending tight ends. They're good defending running backs because their linebackers are great. They're the number one defense in adjusted sack rate, though they're not number one in sacks overall. This is why adjusted sack rate is great because it's about frequency. How often do they get sacks? How often do they get sacks relative to how often the team is passing and how often the team is is actually a, a targeting a pass? So it it eliminates passes that are thrown out of bounds because that's that's a win for the defense. Adjusted sack rate is the metric you want to use when looking at a pass rush for an opponent. Carolina is the best in football. They're outstanding on third down, top 10. They're ninth in third downs. And that's because they just, they don't allow, they don't allow you to get anything easy. You want to run the ball, they can stop the run. You want to throw the ball, they can stop it. This is a really good defense. And New Orleans at home, Got to them a little bit, but Green Bay doesn't have Alvin Kamara. Now, I know Aaron Jones is a very good sort of shiftier back. Jamal Williams, the hammer, very similar in the the sort of slash and dash styles that the Saints have with their two backs. With Aaron Rodgers in the lineup, I think Green Bay has a better receiving group than New Orleans. And New Orleans has taken it to this Panthers defense twice now. The Panthers haven't faced a lot of top-tier offenses this year. Now, they held the Atlanta Falcons down a couple weeks ago. That is including a Julio Jones end zone drop in a game the Panthers probably should have lost. And the other thing is they don't create turnovers. They're 30th in the league in interceptions per drive, 27th in points per red zone trip. Green Bay, even with Brett Hundley, has been a very good red zone team. You expect they'll be even better. They were they were absolutely a hot knife through butter in the red zone with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this was the guy who said, I know when the play is called if we're going to score. That's how good this team was in the red zone with Aaron Rodgers. So that is the that is the serious weakness here. And I think if Green Bay can pass protect, that's the critical thing. If they can pass protect, Julius Peppers is back in Carolina. Mario Addison coming off the corner. Those two guys can create pressure. Kawan Short is one of the best interior pass rushers in the league. If they can pressure Rodgers consistently, that is how you mitigate the lack of talent in the back end. James Bradbury and Daryl Worley are no great shakes at corner. Captain Munerlin is a longtime corner in the NFL, but but never been an above-average player, really. Ladarius Gunter is on this team. And the safeties, Mike Adams and Kirk Coleman, you can beat them. They are susceptible. They are aggressive. I expect those plays that that Brett Hundley couldn't hit down the field, Rodgers is going to take his shots, and he's going to find openings. The Panthers do not have enough corners to match up with Green Bay's receivers, not with Devontae Adams playing as well as he have has, not with Jordy Nelson and his, his ESP connection with Aaron Rodgers. And in the slot, Randall Cobb is still able to get it done. He's been great after the catch. That is where the, the Packers have put him in a position to succeed, and so... That is where they're going to attack this defense. That is where they have to attack this defense. Because they're not going to be able to effectively run the ball. Carolina is too good, too good defending the run. But it's going to be fascinating to watch Green Bay 
with these running backs as talented as they've been. I mean, they've been awesome against a, a top-flight defense, but with Aaron Rodgers in the game. Does Carolina play with an extra man in the box? Probably not. They probably have to play both safeties deep, and they can do that because they have so much speed at linebacker. So what Green Bay is probably going to do is they'll throw more on first down. They'll hope to get into second and, and short, second and manageable. You get second and two, second and three. Even if it's just second and six, now you can run the ball, pass the ball, you can do whatever. You have to keep the defense off balance. You get three yards on, on second down. If it's if it was second and six, now it's third and three. You can do any playbook, any play in the playbook is available to you. And that's how Green Bay is going to have to play against Carolina. I've been telling you all about the Carolina Panthers so far. You need to stay locked on Panthers. I know that's a, a close cousin to locked on Packers. But there's plenty to hear about the Panthers this week. I know you, all you want to hear about is Aaron Rodgers and his return. But this is a very good Panthers team. And so you can get all the inside information from the Locked On Panthers crew. Stay Locked On Panthers the same way this week that you would stay Locked On Packers. I put a stat out on Twitter on Tuesday about the last seven games. The seven Brett Hundley starts. If you put the seven Brett Hundley starts side by side with Cam Newton's last seven games, Brett Hundley has a better completion percentage, a better passer rating, a better yards per attempt average. It's not great for Cam Newton. He has not been good this year. He's been inconsistent at best. Completing fewer than 60% of his passes, he's got an 82 quarterback rating. He's just not been able to complete passes down the field at the same sort of rate. Not been able to convert third and longs through the air. But they don't have many third and longs. This is the fifth best offense in third down percentage because they create so many third and short opportunities. Now, they're just the 15th ranked offense. They're a they're right smack dab at average. I mean, let me just read these numbers to you. 15th in offense overall. 18th passing, 14th running, 16th in the red zone, 18th in adjusted sack rate. They're an average offense. Now, last week, Green Bay couldn't stop a way below average offense. In the first half, at least. In the second half, they played much better. And I, I, I truly, I, I hate to say this because I love Cam Newton's talent. I love his personality on the field as a entertainer. I love the swagger. I love... I love the Superman dance, but as a player, he has not been significantly better throwing the ball this year than Deshaun Kaiser. It's just, just reality. You compare them week to week, they're not much better. Offensively, this has been one of the lowest rated passing games in football all season. On a per play basis, this is one of the worst offenses in football all season. But the thing about a run first offense is, if you get four yards and then four yards and then four yards, you have a first down. And then in the red zone, when you move the ball, you have Cam Newton. And on third and short, you have Cam Newton. And I don't, I shouldn't have to sell Packer fans on the idea that a big, athletic, talented, mobile quarterback can cover a lot of flaws on your team. I mean, look, I I made the joke yesterday. If you can tell me who the who the Panthers receivers are after Devin Funchess. I would enter you in the Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. The starting receiver opposite Devin Funchess is Russell Shepard. 
former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. After that, it's Kalen Clay, Brenton Burson, and Demir Bird. That, 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 that's it. I don't know what else to say. It's bad. It's really bad. He doesn't have any receivers beyond Devin Funchess. So you put Demarius Randall on Funchess and you just let the rest play out. And if Russell Shepard and Kalen Clay and Brenton Burson are going to beat you, then, then you tip your hat to the Panthers. You say, we don't have good enough corners. And we leave it at that. This is a bad receiving. This is not the Browns receiving core. Okay, the Browns had talent. Josh Gordon is better than any receiver on the Panthers. Corey Coleman might be better than any receiver on the Panthers. The real question is what the status is of Greg Olson. He played 92% of snaps against the Vikings. He did come out a little bit gimpy on the surgically repaired foot, but he was not a factor in the passing game last week. You'd expect he'd be a bigger factor this week, but Green Bay is going to play with those safeties. Morgan Burnett and Josh Jones are going to cover Greg Olson, and they are great matchups for him. He's bigger than them, obviously, 6'5", 255, and he can still run. But those guys have been excellent in coverage, especially one-on-one, and, and Green Bay needs them to be. Now, Green Bay can stop the run. This is the seventh-best rush defense in the league. They're actually the 16th-best defense in the league overall in weighted DVOA, schedule-adjusted. Average, it's an average defense, 20 against the pass. Now, here's the here's the critical piece. They are 11th in adjusted sack rate, Green Bay's defense is. 11th. So they're, they're definitely an above-average pass rush. If you look at this offensive line, obviously Matt Khalil is the weak point, the left tackle. You're going to see a lot of Nick Perry over there. You're going to see a lot of stunts, a lot of games to get him matched up one-on-one. And if he can't hold up, that is a great, that's great news for Green Bay. On the other side, Darrell Williams, he's a fourth-round pick in 2015. He's big, 6'5 through 27, but he can be a little heavy-footed. Quicker players can give him problems, and the Packers are going to put Clay Matthews, Vince Beagle, Kyler Fackerel, all their, all their fast guys are going to see Darrell Williams, and all their strong guys are going to see Matt Khalil. Nick Perry and Ahmad Brooks are going to wear Matt Khalil out Vince Beagle, Kyler Fackerel, Clay Matthews, they are going to wear Daryl Williams out. And if they can get after Cam Newton, the thing is they'll have to be able to finish because no one is harder to bring down in the NFL at the quarterback position than Cam Newton. So can Green Bay, it's not going to be a question of can Green Bay get pressure. They will be able to get pressure in this game. The question will be can they finish it for sacks? And if Cam throws them the ball, can they catch it? That's the reality of the situation because this offense... If Green Bay can stop the run, they're going to win. Now, I know Cam can can get hot, catch fire, and, and explode, and he can he can put 300 yards on the board and four touchdowns and all those things, and Packer fans are going to remember Cam Newton lighting them up, setting a rookie record. He goes for over 400 yards back in 2011, and that was the game that that cost Nick Collins his career, and, and there's there's some flashback potential there for Packers fans. That team is not this team. And that Cam Newton is not this Cam Newton. I don't expect that to happen on Sunday. This passing game has been a disaster. They've been force-feeding Christian McCaffrey. A team like Carolina is why you have Josh Jones and Morgan Burnett on the field at once. Because you're going to say, Morgan, you've got Greg Olson. Josh, you've got Christian McCaffrey. And that's it. Let's go. That's it. That's what you need. They drafted 
those players specifically for situations like this against teams that want to get the ball to their tight end, that want to get the ball to the receiver out of the backfield. One of the reasons Green Bay struggled against New Orleans is they didn't have their safeties healthy for that game. So how can you handle Alvin Kamara and still deal with the middle of the field if you only have one safety other than HaHa Clinton Dix? Having three against the Panthers is going to be a huge boost for them. This is where Green Bay needs to win the game because I think the Packers are going to be able to score points. They're going to be able to throw against Carolina. The teams that have really found success have been able to throw on them. I think you're going to see the screen game come back. I think Aaron Jones is going to get a lot of targets in this game. I think they're going to find and continue to use Randall Cobb in creative ways out of the backfield, on screens, on all sorts of dump-offs and... and Ways to get him in space with the ball in his hands. This week got a lot more exciting Tuesday night. Because now we know Aaron Rodgers is back. We're going to talk about that and a lot more with Kristen Balboni from Fox Sports tomorrow. Opponent Wednesday becomes opponent Thursday. And then Friday, we'll go through the injury reports, see who's going to play, who's not going to play, and discuss how that's going to affect what happens on the field on Sunday. The Packers are 7 and six. They need to get to eight and six to get into the playoffs in all likelihood, which means this week is a playoff game. They've won two in a row. They need to make it three in a row. They need to make it a run the table situation, and they're going to have their all-world quarterback to help them this week. I hope you're excited. I'm excited. I, I know you're excited. I know you are. This is what the Packer fans have been waiting for and and decided couldn't happen. I know I did. I didn't think this was possible, but here we are. Just a couple days away from seeing Aaron Rodgers back on the field. It seemed impossible, but so does Aaron Rodgers most of the time. There's a lot, a lot, a lot more to discuss this week, which means you, as always, need to stay Locked on Packers.